Hello, thank you for listening to this sermon from our Revive service. We hope it helps you learn more about God and allow you to grow closer to Him and in your faith. Singing this morning, it's an encouragement to me as we gather and worship the Lord together, just to hear your voices. I hope that you're encouraged. If you have your Bibles and you want to open them to the book of Galatians, we continue our series this morning. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, our series is entitled Elements. We are walking through the fruit of the Spirit, these elements that make up who we are in Christ and the work of the Spirit in us. It's not something that we can manufacture and that we can do ourselves. It is truly the work of the Spirit in us. Uh, I love what uh, John Stott says. He says, the, the fruit of the Spirit is a cluster of nine Christian graces that portray the believer's attitude to God to other people, and to himself. And uh, we know that left to ourselves, we would not be able to accomplish this nor to live these out. Um, But as we see this, um, Paul is writing and he says, um, here are the desires of the flesh, and he lists them. And then he says, put those off. He talks about we are no longer needing to satisfy those desires. And then he says this in verse 22 and 23. He says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And so there's not a legislation set against these things. You can't accomplish these things by just doing all the right things and doing uh, a list of items. No, we are able to live out these truths and these elements because of what God does in each of us. I wondered how I would start this sermon. And uh, mainly just to say, you know, each of you, you're good people, right? You're you're good people. But what does Jesus say? I, I love the, the rich uh, young ruler that comes to Jesus and, and he asks, well, how can I have eternal life? And, and, uh, and, and, and oftentimes that's where we start and then we look at Jesus' response. But if we back up a little bit, that rich young ruler, as he comes to Jesus, he says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus pauses without even answering that question. And he says, whoa, 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 there's none who are good. There's none of us that are good. You're good. You're good people. But we all have that condition, that sinful condition in our life. And so as we look at that, um, it, it is really interesting because uh, Jesus asked him, well, what about the Ten Commandments? Have you kept the Ten Commandments? And, and, and the rich young ruler is like, yep, I, I've kept them. I've done them. And it's almost in contrast to what Jesus says first is, listen, you're trying to earn, you're trying to say that you're good enough to have this eternal life. And what struggle we have today as we live in a culture and a world that says, hey, if you're just good enough, then, then maybe, just maybe you could have eternal life. You can go to heaven when you die. I say all that as a preface to what we're going to look at in a moment. Our goodness, there's nothing that we can produce that will allow us to have an eternal relationship with God. The reminder here is that this goodness pours in 
and through us because of God, because of the spirit that indwells each one of you and I as followers of Jesus. And so as we look at goodness today, please keep that as the forefront because whatever goodness that we produce is not us producing it. It's the spirit inside of us that produces that. And to him should get all the glory and honor. We die to ourselves, and we're alive with Christ. It's Christ in us. It's the spirit of God living inside of you and me. So let's dig in and let's look at this today. Last week, we looked at kindness. Kindness and goodness are very, very similar. And I shared a little bit of that last week. And, and, and in looking at kindness and goodness, um, why, would, why would they both be here? Well, this term goodness is actually only mentioned four times in the New Testament. It's not a popular word. Paul uses it. He's the only one who uses this word goodness. And in, in using this in these four passages, um, it, it, it is hard for us to get a clear um, understanding of what is this goodness. I will tell you that I believe that Paul put goodness here in Galatians chapter 2 or chapter 5 verse 22 for a reason. Because he could have just left it out. He could have just said kindness. But he didn't. He didn't just say kindness. He said kindness and goodness both. And so there's a reason why there's a differentiating here. So let's look at this. Kindness is a Greek word called Christastos, all right? And it means kindness and is very similar to this uh, other Greek word, agathe sune. Agathe sune means this, to be generous or generosity. Again, where we've kind of gone each um, week is to look at Webster. Webster's uh, 1828 and what he has to say about how he defines it. So we see here that goodness is the state of being good, the physical qualities which constitute value, excellence, or perfection. And then as an illustration, he says, as the goodness of timber. Those of you who have gone to Lowe's or Home Depot or some other timber yard, when you pull out a board and you're examining it, you, you want it to be good timber. And sometimes as I've gone, you go and you look and you see, man, that board is crooked as crooked could be. That's not good timber. And so uh, he then says this, the goodness of soil. Well, what about the soil when you go to plant? Is have the nutrients that are going to help uh, produce the fruit that you want. And then he says, he lists these four um, examples uh, of, of the definition of goodness. The moral qualities which constitute Christian excellence, moral virtue, or religion. And he says, he uses Galatians 5.22 with that. For the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness. Second, kindness, benevolence. Um, what's that word? Benignity of heart, Sure of more generally acts of kindness, charity, humanity exercised. And he says this, I shall remember his goodness to me with gratitude. Third, kindness, benevolence of nature, mercy. And he uses this example from Exodus 34, 6, the Lord and his abundant goodness in truth. And then number four, he shares his kindness. A favor shown, acts of benevolence, compassion, or mercy. 
And he'll talk about Jethro and how Jethro, uh, Moses' father-in-law, the priests of the Midian, uh, the people of Midian, uh, how Jethro rejoiced for all the goodness with Jehovah that Jehovah had done for Israel in Exodus 18, verse 9. So when we look at goodness, it's a state of being good. And uh, all that to say, what, what does it really mean? Well, goodness is a rare word. As we've said, it's only found four times in the New Testament and only in Paul. And it conveys the idea of benevolence or generosity towards someone else. It's going a second mile when, uh, when it's not necessarily required. So what I want you to do today is to go out and all of you get your sneakers on and you get ready and you run one mile. But if you feel good, then you go the second mile too. That's good. Goodness. No, that's not what it's saying. You know uh, what we're talking about here, that when you go to help serve somebody, that there's an opportunity for you not just to come alongside and help, but to really take that second step, that second mile. And our world would say out of the goodness of one's heart. But we know the condition of our heart, and our heart's condition is sinful and wicked. It's deceitful, above all things cunning. So the only thing that can change our heart is Jesus. And so we would say it's because of Jesus, not out of the goodness of our heart, because we don't have that ability, but it's out of the goodness of what Jesus has done that we are able to go that second mile. This Greek word, agathusene, is a word that comes from the, the, the LXX, which is the Greek Septuagint from the Old Testament. So it's the Old Testament that was written in Hebrew, um, but then translated into Greek. And so we see that word that is in some of the passages in the Old Testament that is now in the New Testament. And it indicates the quality of a man who is therefore of moral excellence, of goodness. And it constitutes the, the content of the life of a Christian. We know that we are able to live the life that we have because of the goodness of God. As we have seen in all of these elements, they first reflect our God. Do they not? When you look at love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness... They're all qualities of our God. And we get to live that out. Again, it, it's not rocket science here, right? If I can understand it, you probably can too. And so imagine this. Here's a creator God. And he says, I want you to be like me. And I'm going to help you to be like me. And I'm going to give you a helper that's going to live inside of you. That's going to go with you wherever you go. And he's going to be in you to help produce the same qualities that I have. And so here's this creator God, and he has given us the opportunity to live him out because of what the spirit is doing inside of us. So what's the difference between kindness and goodness? Well, what I have found here is um, it's very hard. Great theologians differ in, in how they look and view um, view this. I, I want to look first at the, at, the, at the first four verses that we see in the New Testament and see if that helps us with this goodness. So the first is found in Romans 15, 4, and where Paul writes, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, 
filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. And so Paul's encouraging the early believers there. Hey, I see this is, this is an element of your life. And in Ephesians 5, verse 8 uh, and 9, it says, For at one time you were in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children uh, of the light. And then he puts these little parentheses around this. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good, right, and true. So again, as we're walking in the light, we get to share that light. And part of that light is what is good and right and true. And then Paul writes in 2 Thessalonians 1 verse 11, To this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power. So this gives us an idea, again, of these four uses of this term. How do we see this manifested and lived out? And what would be the difference between these two words of Christestos and agathosune? Well, what we see is kindness is something that is inside of somebody and it just oozes out. Somebody who is kind to the point where you can just tell there's something emanating from them that just speaks of kindness. They're always kind, even to maybe a detrimental way. Where this uh, agathosune comes into play, there's a passage that, that made me think of this, and looking at one of the, the, the scholars that I was reading too, brought this to light, and it's found in Matthew 21. And so Matthew 21, verses 12 and 13 we read this, and this is Jesus. Jesus entered the temple, and he drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. So out of these two Greek words, what would this be described as? What was Jesus and his actions? Was it uh, Christustos? Uh, or was it agathosune? Was it kindness or goodness? What I would propose to you this morning, that this is goodness. All right? This isn't the, the, the warmthness, the embrace of Jesus that we're going to look at in just a moment. This is the standing for what is right, the virtue of what is good. And so in Jesus, his, his attack upon the, the money changers here isn't, isn't because he doesn't love them or because he doesn't want to be kind. In fact, his kindness is shown in helping them to see the truth. Now, if we go a couple verses there in Matthew 21, verses 14 and 15, we just read 12 and 13, but if we look at 14 and 15, we see this, and the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. What is that an example of? That is an example of kindness, of what we would define kindness of the Christus, of the, the kindness of God that he would allow people dirty, unclean, who have these ailments, who were considered outsiders, who people would abandon and leave alongside of the road, that Jesus would allow them to come to him and that he would touch them and heal them. That's kindness. Verse 15 says this, But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple, uh, 
the children were crying out, what? Hosanna to the son of David. They were what? They were mad. They were upset. Verse 16. And they said to him, do you hear what they are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes. Have you never read out of the mouths of infants and nursing babes? You have prepared praise. So Jesus wasn't going to allow the religious leaders of that time to get in the way of, of what he wanted to do. Not only was he showing goodness, uh, but he also was showing kindness. We see in Luke 7, verse 36, we see a story. And I want you, if you would follow along, either in your Bible or up on the screen, Luke 7. We'll start in verse 36. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and he reclined at the table. Behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at the table of the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. Now, when the Pharisees who invited him saw this, he said to himself, this is the man, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is that is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have nothing to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. A certain money lender had two debtors, one owed 500 denarii and the other 50 when they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, from whom he canceled the larger debt. And Jesus answered him, you have judged rightly. Then turning towards the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my teeth with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. <laughs> when those who were at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sin? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. We see the kindness of Jesus here. We see at times the realness of the heart of God tangibly poured out as Jesus ministered to hurting sinful people. Some people want to live in that realm all the time in that way of showing that kind of kindness, which that is not bad. That's why it's part of the elements. It's the fruit of the spirit. That kindness is needed. The goodness that we see of Jesus as he goes into the temple and as he continues to bring the religious leaders and the scribes and holds them accountable for what they're teaching Jesus' pursuit of goodness is what controls him in that. And so as we think about this and how we live out our lives, I have two things. Number one, we need to live what is good. Now, again, we're asking God to fill us 
by the work of his spirit to be able to live out this goodness because we can't do it ourselves, right? And so the way that we do that is we abide in the vine. We abide in Jesus. We're meeting with Jesus. We're spending time with him. We're abiding him with him throughout the day. So if you want to show goodness apart from Jesus, let me just tell you, it's not going to happen. So if you're struggling with these elements and struggling to live them out, let me encourage you, go home and open your Bible, set priority, time with God each day. And I believe with all my heart, because I've seen it in my life and I've seen it in other people's lives, if you make time to spend with God, these elements will begin to pour out of you. You will be different because of your time abiding in him. And so we need to live out what is good. One person says it this way, goodness should be the content of the life of the Christian. Don't justify or excuse what is not good. Are you good at that? Are, are you good at excusing what is not good? Are you good at justifying and saying, well, it's not that We need to live what is good. Number two, we need to defend what is good. Now, let's be careful here. Let's again look to Jesus as our example as we read the word. What do we see Jesus doing as he defends the good? Who does he defend it against? Jesus goes up against the religious leaders of that time, does he not? Does Jesus go to the Roman rulers to defend what's good? No. Is Jesus worried about the culture at that time to defend what is good? No. Jesus displays goodness by defending what is good by those who have been misinformed of what it means to have a relationship with God. So don't fight the Romans. We are called to defend the truth. We are called to bring a light to those who are deceived. And we are called to bring a light to those leaders leading other people astray. Other religious leaders. I know this may not be a popular view. I'm not here saying that we should not defend what is right. I'm saying look at the word of God and how Jesus walks the face of the earth. He was perfect. He was whole. He knew everything and he knew what was right. Jesus could revolt against the Romans at any point. That's why when he's on trial, he states and says, I could call down all my angels and they would be here like this. And he would be saved. But he knew his purpose. His purpose was to do the will of the Father. And the will of the Father was ultimately sacrificing himself. So that his blood would be poured out so that we could have eternal life. Here's why I say this. I think sometimes we want to make good people. We're more concerned about making people good than we are helping people see they need Jesus. 
while ethics are good, ethics won't lead someone to eternity in heaven. Christ is what we need. And Christ is what other people need to see. What other people need to hear. It's not teaching them to be good. For far too long, the church in America has been trying to clean people up and then bring them to Christ. No, it doesn't work that way. It's called to love people. And in that, as we love them where they are, we share and show Jesus to them. Knowing that ultimately they can change their behavior. They can change what we see. But their heart is still far from God. So will we ultimately make good people who are going to spend eternity burning in hell? Unfortunately, we see in scripture, that is true. As Jesus shared, there are people who are going to say, Lord, Lord. I did this in your name. I prophesied, I healed and what is the response? Jesus says, I never knew you. We must be people as we live out goodness. It is not trying to get other people to be good. It is trying to help show people that this element that God gives us radically changes our life. And it allows a freedom and allows these other people outside who don't know Jesus to see that he changes our life. He offers hope. He offers excitement. And he offers a true way of living that gives life. That is found not in just changing our behavior, but allowing Jesus to change our heart. Being good does not mean that you're godly. But being godly is good. It matters not your status. It matters not your gifting, your possessions, what you have, what you don't. If you are in Christ, his desire is to flow out of you goodness. To be the channel where others get to see how good our God is. Sometimes that's confronting truth and saying, this is the truth. Other times it is showing an act that is willing to go beyond and to benefit that other person. My prayer is that as we leave here today, we will ask and we will plead with God that we would live lives of goodness that with kindness, we will also not shy away from living out what the truth is. No matter what the cost is. These two work so hand in hand. So often we're trying to defend what is good, but we do it with little kindness. Or we go about with a lot of kindness and we don't have a lot of good that we represent. Jesus says it this way. John records it in the beginning first chapter. 
as Jesus comes onto the scene, that here Jesus came in the fullness of grace and truth. It's both. And so these elements, along with the other elements that we're studying and learning, are all critically important and intertwined. So will you live out what is good, knowing that it comes from abiding in your personal relationship with God? And will you defend what is good? Not defending it to the Romans or to the rest of the world. Defending it to those who need to see it and those who think it's found in some way else. Will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for your goodness to us. We know that we are who we are because of what you have done for us. We have no goodness in and of ourselves. We, our, good, our good works are like filthy rags, your word tells us. And so we humbly once again acknowledge and realize, are reminded that we need you more every day. Thank you, Lord, for being with us. Thank you for giving us your spirit. Thank you for not leaving us alone. Thank you for your kindness and your goodness in our lives. Help us to pursue holiness, that holiness of goodness, showing to a world around us that you radically changed our life. And because of that, we are different people who have a great hope. So do your work in us and through us, and we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.